Kong, I own it. It did. Women's Wrestling Talk, the number one women's wrestling show on the planet. Wrestling Talk, the number one women's wrestling show on the planet. Hey, 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 you guys. Sorry about those technical difficulties. But of course, welcome to Women's Wrestling Talk, the number one women's wrestling show on the planet. I'm your girl, Stephanie Hardy, host and creator of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast and um, host of Women's Wrestling Talk and commentator for the Belladonna Division, as well as guest commentary for Battle Club Pro and most recently for Black Girl Magic 2. And I am here to present to you guys the Smackdown and AEW Rampage after show, which takes place, of course, every Friday night. I'm here with you guys, um, and normally I'd be here with my tag team partner, Dreon Santana, our editor-in-chief, but she is on assignment tonight, and she might be joining us a little bit later, but if not, I will be able to carry on the show, and yeah, um, it's just a lot of crazy stuff going on um, in wrestling, considering this is a really busy wrestling weekend, because tomorrow, of course, we have Clash at the Castle, and then on Sunday, we have Worlds Collide, and then we also have AEW's All Out, and both of these shows were preparing for all of these events coalescing together on this one Labor Day weekend, which is very special stuff going on. So if you're in the comments, please let me know that you're here and that you're ready to get into all of the happenings of what went on tonight on SmackDown and AEW Rampage. It was a pretty lit night in wrestling, I will say. Um, on the comments, we have Sammy. I've arrived. Hey, Sammy, thank you for watching. So we're going to get into it. So, basically, 
Friday Night SmackDown started with a really creative touch here because, of course, they had a Viking Rules match that was supposed that's going to take place that was set to take place tonight with the Viking Raiders versus the New Day because, of course, they've been beefing back and forth lately. And on the like the first shot that you see when SmackDown comes on after you see the audience, it's literally like literally the ring designed as a Viking ship. And I thought that was really creative and really cool. They had the shields out and everything. And then, of course, towards the ramp, they had the front part of the ship and everything. And I thought it was actually really cool and really cute. Um, Joseph, thank you for joining us. It says it's a fun but busy weekend. Oh, yeah, definitely. Sammy saying boo tomatoes. Yeah, already coming with the hot takes. But yeah, um, the Viking Raiders were set to fight against the New Day. And one thing I can tell you guys is, is that the New Day is going to bring it with their um, gear. And Jonathan Davenport, shout out to him, made this amazing gear, which fits into, I guess you could say, Norse mythology, in a sense, where you had, but it also triggered into the Marvel Universe, because you had Kofi and Xavier coming out dressed as Thor and Loki, and it was so cute. And basically, throughout the night, um, because as you can see, you have Xavier with his crown on in front of his face, just like Loki, but then you also had Kofi out there with the cape on and everything, and it was just so amazing. And I just loved how ready they were, um, for this match. And this match was a doozy. Um, pretty early on in the match, you had the New Day basically taking advantage of the Viking Raiders kicking them down you know, smashing them, you know, in the corners and everything, fighting outside of the ring, Kofi Kingston doing his patented high-flying stuff. It was amazing, like, the both of them flying over each other and the shields. Like, it was just pretty amazing athleticism from both of these teams. And, of course, you know, it was really... It never ceases to amaze me how agile the Viking Raiders are for how big they are. So it was still a it was a really stellar match. And even at one point, you had Kofi jumping out um, at Eric, I believe, from the top rope with a hammer, with his own version of Melnir um, as Thor that was created for him. And then he hit him upside the head with that weapon because, of course, since it's Viking rules, that means it's no rules, anything goes, no holds barred. So that weapon was very much legal. And I just thought that was just a really cute spin on his costume right there since he dressed up as Thor. Kofi is always worthy over here. And that was just a really nice touch. But it turned out that to be a little bit too much for them. And as they proceeded to fight outside and hit splashes on each other from the top of the boat, um, the Viking Raiders took advantage and separated Kofi and pushed him out of the way and slammed him in the head with one of their shields, grabbed Xavier Woods, and basically slammed him through the tables and covered him for the one, two, three. And the Viking Raiders won the match. This really bummed me out because honestly, like, I just feel like the New Day has just been on a struggle bus, you know, 
ever since they started, even before they started feuding with the Viking Raiders. It's just been really sad stuff for the New Day. It's like they've been getting in all of these non-title feuds and losing all of the time. And it's just so sad that it's just like without their um without their je ne sais quoi with Big E, they've just been on the struggle bus. Um Tell me in the comments how you felt about this match. Um, I really liked it, but I just hated the outcome because Xavier and Kofi really came out there looking like they were ready to go and really bring it, you know, even with their gear and their athleticism and everything. But they still wound up losing this match, and it just makes me sad. Joseph in the comments said, a fun updated spin on the classic hardcore matches that were popular during the Monday Night Wars. Definitely, yeah, it's definitely a fun um, spin, and it was very creative. I enjoyed it very much. But the New Day wound up losing, and the Viking Raiders came out victorious in that. So there we go. Um, and also throughout the show, they were giving their flowers. It was like in five different chapters. They were giving their flowers to Roman Reigns because, of course, they were talking about the celebration that they were supposed to have for Roman Reigns. Um, that they were going to have for Roman Reigns towards the end of the night with the Usos and with Sami Zayn as well. So they kept um, talking about his career and everything that he's done in the past two years to hold on to the to the Universal Championship and, of course, later on the WWE Championship and be the undisputed champion with Paul Heyman, of course, narrating all of the chapters, talking about him and every person that he's beat up until this point in order to maintain his reign of dominance as the undisputed champion in terms of him beating John Cena, beating Edge, beating Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, beating Rey Mysterio, um, Kevin Owens, Big E at Survivor Series last year. But something that I did notice was the fact that they, they really did leave out the footage of Roman beating Jay. I thought that was interesting because they did have a really huge feud, you know, that carried us through the to, through the heavy part of the pandemic. So for the life of me, I don't understand why they kind of left that out, but they chose to do what they chose to do. But either way, the vignettes were fabulous. So I just wanted to talk about that there because it was in five chapters um, as opposed to stretching it out over the course of the show. So um, we'll just move right along with that. Moving on. We had the in-ring debut of Karrion Cross, and of course, Scarlett was with him um, side by side, and they also had a promo backstage, you know, talking about how they were going to beat Drew Gulak and how basically with Clash at the Castle coming up, um, how he's going to have his eye on both Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns because whomever wins that match is whoever he's going to go after for the Undisputed Championship. So that's pretty much what that was. And he also talked about how he was going to beat Drew Gulak in his debut match. So this debut match went by relatively fast. Um, you have um, Karrion Cross out here and everything. After he made his stellar entrance from NXT, like if you are an NXT fan, you know how cool Karrion Cross's entrance was. And it was a shame that we didn't get to see it during his first run, but during this run, we're going to get it. And that's exactly what we got. The fall and pray, all of the screaming, all of the singing from Scarlett, and of course them posing in the middle of the ring. That was cool. Um, but yeah, like I said, this match went by really really fast um for him to fight someone like drew gulak um 
Drew tried to gain the upper hand with uh, a number of punches or strikes or whatever, but it was almost like Karrion Cross was taunting him throughout the match and was talking about, oh, well, you know, you're not trying hard enough. And he basically kicked him in the face and then locked in his patented um, lock here and made Drew Gulak submit and he wound up winning the match here. So Karrion Cross won his in-ring debut. Scarlett came out and celebrated with him. And after they showed the replay, um, they hung him up in the ropes as if like he was being crucified like a sacrificial lamb. And Scarlett's just enjoying it all. And they proceeded to walk away. So Sammy in the comments is saying, I love this man with multiple multiple exclamation points and um joseph is saying scarlet looked fabulous as always but the match was just there for me cross is just another strong wrestler who needed scarlet to complete the package that is absolutely true i do feel like during his first run on the main roster he was missing something with scarlet not being there and it was absolutely like it's like even with him being a strong wrestler and a strong competitor him without Scarlet just felt like peanut butter without jelly, like Kobe without Shaq. Like, that's just really what it felt like. And I'm just really glad that they're back together and that in this new leadership of WWE, they can have a chance to flourish the way that they were used to flourishing from a creative standpoint. So, yeah, Karrion Cross won his uh, match. And, yeah, he also made his presence felt backstage when he sent burnt roses um, to the bloodline that Sammy received on behalf of them. And the note said, TikTok. So Karen Cross is not here to play games with us, y'all. Um, <laughs> Sammy is saying, put me in that sleeper holder. Oh my God, Sammy. The thirst is real, but I can't blame him. But either way, Karen came out with the win here. So moving on in the show, we had a little bit of an encounter with Ronda Rousey because we were set to find out, you know, what her final judgment would be, um, considering she had been suspended after beating up security officers, police officers, you named it, she beat them. And she was just there um, tonight to basically figure out, you know, what's next for her after this point. So she came out, you know, to her interest music, looking really cool, I might add, like her body looks absolutely amazing. Um, it was almost like her body is screaming like, yeah, one child who? Um, I'm still a hottie and I'm still, you know, the baddest woman on the planet. And she looked like that. So she got in the ring and basically, you know, said that I have a note from WWE Global Headquarters and I would prefer if Adam Pierce came out to read it. So as you can see in this picture, Adam Pierce came out to um, to acquiesce to Rhonda's whim here. And oh, well, no, that's a little bit too soon. And so he read the note <laughs> and the note basically said that. Her suspension would be lifted um, and that she would be on probation, considering the level of violence that she inflicted on so many different people. Um, and Adam Pierce was really irritated with this. Like, he was very irritated with Ronda Rousey in saying that he really felt like every time something doesn't go Ronda Rousey's way, she has a tendency to throw a temper tantrum and be angry about stuff and that it just gets on his nerves and makes his job a whole lot harder than it has to be. And he was turning red. Like, you know how people get angry and they just, and you see red and everything. 
that's how angry Adam Pierce got. And this is probably the most bent out of shape I'd ever seen Adam Pierce. But he took it a step too far, in my opinion, when he decided to call Ronda Rousey the biggest B word in the locker room. Way too far. Absolutely way too far. You do not call a woman the B word. You just don't. As a man, you don't ever disrespect a woman like that. You just don't. And he tried to apologize. He tried to backtrack it. He tried to say, I'm tired. It came from anger. No, sweetie. A lot of the things that you say out of anger, you mean it and you've thought it, you know, before. You just needed an opportunity to actually lash out and say it. And that's exactly what happened here. You lashed out and you call Ronda Rousey the B word. So Ronda proceeded to make him pay by tearing his arm out of the socket and making him submit and stuff. And what's so funny is he was trying to back away from her, but I'm like, aren't you a former wrestler? Weren't you a guy, you know, who had a, a pretty great career in the independence? Why are you backing away from her? But I guess when you have someone like Ronda Rousey who is trained to destroy you and tear you limb from limb, you'll just back away from him, you know, out of instinct. So that's basically what happened here. Ronda Rousey taught him a lesson um, and he and she basically walked away from him and said that he sucked and she just left. So there's no telling what Ronda Rousey is going to get into next. But I'm hoping that Ronda somehow or another will find her way in a beef with Shayna Baszler after Shayna Baszler's done messing with Liv Morgan. Um which was pretty interesting because the only thing that we did see from the women on SmackDown tonight was um, this segment and a segment backstage involving Shayna Baszler and Liv Morgan standing off. And Liv was staring into um, Shayna Baszler's eyes and telling her that she was going to tear her arm limb from limb at Clash at the Castle tomorrow. But of course, Shayna Baszler didn't believe her. And Liv was like, watch me. But here's the thing, though. Liv was staring at her with these eyes, like, like she was just staring at her, like, intensely. And I don't even think she blinked. She didn't blink. So maybe Liv has been working. Maybe she's been working on her um, in-ring work so she can actually step up to um, Shayna Baszler. But either way, Ronda Rousey came out the victor here. Let's see what these people have to say in the comments. Joseph... Um, is saying this was the best Ronda look since she came into wrestling. You can tell she is gaining more confidence each and every week. Pierce is just a little weak authority figure. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's basically what he was doing. And he also said, that pissed me off. Ronda ain't that B word. She is such an awesome person. Pierce is a little coward who wanted Ronda fired so he can be relevant. He probably thought Sonya Deville was that little B word also. Oh my God, more than likely, yes. And he did say that he would have fired her um, in terms of beating up those police officers, but he didn't and she's still here. So, hey, whatever. Moving on in the show, we had another match, um, uh, a six-man, well, not a six-man tag, a tag team match between um, Ashanti the Adonis and Top Dollar of Hit Row and Massey and Monsoir of the Maximum Male Models faction. So 
This was a match that came from last week in their encounter where they were backstage, you know, fighting with each other and hit row. And basically, um, the maximum male models thought that they had spray painted their bus, but in actuality, it was the Street Profits bus. So basically, they just proceeded to fight each other after that encounter. And this tag team match was really good. I enjoyed it. Um, I also enjoyed the amount of beautiful tennis shoes that they had in the ring. Um, Monsoir had on some really cool red and black Nikes. And um, Ashanti the Adonis had on some purple and gold and black shoes. And I thought those were really cute. But it's always good to see Ashanti the Adonis's, um athletic prowess in the ring and stuff. So he did pretty good in this match. Um, but as the match kept going on, you had Los Lotharios come out to try to, you know, pose as a distraction for Hit Row. But then as Hit Row was trying to take advantage, they decided, well, they basically decided to jump in, but then they got thrown out of the ring and Hit Row wound up coming off with the win for the match, but they got attacked by Los Lotharios again. So in the midst of them getting attacked by the maximum male models and B Fab being out there, she was actually able to get in some action on on behalf of Hit Row as well by sliding in the ring and kicking them. So this happened before um, they got into it or whatever. The Street Profits decided to come out and fight on their behalf and beat up on the maximum male models and Los Atharios. So maybe next week, We'll get a match where Hit Row and the Street Profits will have combined their forces as a team. And then you'll have Los Atharios and the Maximum Male Models put together. We have to think of some names for them, for those teams. Because, I mean, I just feel like they're just too cool to just sit up there and just not name or whatever. But how are you guys feeling in the chat or if you're watching? How are you guys feeling about um, the Street Profits basically aligning with Hit Row? And how do you feel about this direction for them even after they did lose their opportunity at the Undisputed Tag Team Championships against the Usos. And it was looking like they could have gone their separate ways, but they didn't. Um, please let me know in the chat how you guys feel or felt about this match or feel about Hit Row and the Street Profits as well. Um, so moving on with that, we had Happy Corbin coming out. Um, he had a little bit of a promo with Kayla Batchstage talking about how he doesn't want to focus on the past because they were talking about how he lost, of course, to Ricochet last week on SmackDown and how he's basically been on, you know, the struggle bus since then. But he was talking about how he's happy and how he's wealthy and how he doesn't want to focus on the past. So he went out and started an open challenge for anybody who wanted to face him. Anybody anybody at all so honestly this could have been anyone it could have been somebody from nxt it could have been anybody from smackdown or anybody from raw um but as it turns out it was answered by none other than shinsuke nakamura and shinsuke basically lit up Happy Corbin throughout this match. And of course, you know, Pat McAfee was happy to see him as he was jumping up and down to his theme music and everything. So, you know, it was a happy time. But there was a point where Happy Corbin did try to take advantage of Shinsuke and um, he hit him with the deep six, but Shinsuke kicked out. And even as he kicked out, you know, there was still more action 
um, and more story to be told in this match. Um, Happy Corbin tried to run around the post like he tries to do and hit Shinsuke, you know, from behind. But Shinsuke caught him and had it scouted. And he hit him with the Kinshasa and wound up winning the match, knocking down Happy Corbin a few more pegs um, and keeping him on the struggle bus. It's, yeah, it's sad. You hate to see it. But backstage, there was more action with Happy Corbin because he went back there and he was looking sad. But then as he was looking sad, he looked up and he saw a familiar sight to the WWE Universe, which was a limousine with bullhorns on the hood. And y'all know who that is. That's JBL. And he said, what the hell is wrong with you? Come inside. And so Happy Corbin had a smile on his face and he went inside that limousine and that limousine drove away. So I guess now Happy Corbin is going to come under JBL's wing now. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but I guess, you know, two rich guys got to stick together, right? Uh, whatever. Joseph on um, left a comment saying it basically justifies Hit Row as a tag team. They are trying to do everything they can to make Hit Row relevant without Shane Strickland Swerve, who is an AEW. That may be true, but at the same time, I feel like since Hit Row was a thing before um, Swerve decided to, you know, align with them, that maybe, just maybe, you know, putting them with the Street Profits isn't a bad thing at all. And it doesn't really mean that they were in dire straits, you know, before um, the Street Profits aligned with them. But at the same time, I'm wondering if, I don't know, I just feel like Hit Row would have been fine even without the Street Profits because they're so charismatic and people clearly like them in the audience because whenever they hear their theme song, you know, they're singing along and bouncing along and, you know, it clearly resonates with members of the crowd. So maybe, um, maybe Hit Row would have been fine if they didn't align them with the Street Profits. But either way, I still think they have the same synergy um, with each other. So I still feel like either way, it still works. So, Moving right along, we had another match um, that I'm more than sure would make a lot of people from NXT UK proud because, of course, they had their final episode this week, and um, we did cover that here on Women's Wrestling Talk. Um, but these people, a lot of these people, with the exception of maybe um, one person here, actually, you know, made their mark in NXT UK um, in this match with Butch slash Pete Dunne. And I say that on behalf of Dreon because she definitely cannot stand it. You know, she prefers to call him Pete Dunne because she refuses to call him Butch um, <laughs> versus Ludwig Kaiser. And um, then, of course, you had the Intercontinental Champion Gunter out there in Ludwig's corner. And then you had the Brawling Brutes out there in, his, in um, Butch's corner as well, Sheamus and Rich Holland. And all of them, like I said, with the ex with the exception of one of them, are all alumni of NXT UK. And it was just really cool to see this match take place. Um, you got to see Butch slash Pete Dunne in probably like the main roster version of his form. Um, it was really good to see him, you know, fight in the ring in a full scale match because we've always seen him on the main roster sort of act like the UK version of the Tasmanian devil all the time in a suit. 
So watching him fight kind of like as in like a newer version of the Bruiserweight was still really awesome. And Ludwig Kaiser showed a lot of what he has to offer, you know, as an athlete as well. You have um, Butch in this picture right here um, working at the fingers, which is something that he is known to do um, in a match. He loves to mess with people's digits a lot. Um, you have Ludwig Kaiser right here, you know, having Butch in a lock right here. Like, it was just really good. Then you had multiple suplexes from these guys. Like, it was really awesome, the sequence that they had where they all decided to suplex each other. Like, it was just really cool. Um, but in the end, even though they were all jawjacking at each other, um, and hitting each other with all kinds of submissions or whatnot, Butch came out with the win. Oh, excuse me. Butch came out with the win. And then after he won, um, Gunter and Seamus decided to basically talk trash at each other. And then Gunter took his coat off and was all like, yeah, like, you know, I'm going to see you tomorrow. And I'm going to see you, you know, at Clash the Castle because, of course, they're fighting for the Intercontinental title. So this was a stellar match here. Um I would I really would love to know how this match would have gone if they had let them, you know, go further if this was like a longer show. Like I feel like if this match was on Raw, it would be better suited there because since that's a longer show, they probably would have had more time to really be the British or European strong style type of wrestlers that I know that they can be. But for what this match was, it was still pretty good. So I won't complain. I won't fully complain about that. Either way, it was still a good match. Um, then, of course, you know, as the show went on, they um, did a recap of the women's tag team tournament final, where, of course, the winners were Raquel, uh, Raquel Rodriguez and um, Aaliyah. They went on to win the titles. Um, and, of course, this um, made a lot of people, um, it was very polarizing on social media. But in the end, you know, they wound up winning the tag titles and congratulations to them for winning. And also, of course, they showed more backstage stuff with Sami Zayn preparing everything for the party and also getting in the face of Jimmy and Jay Uso. Because, of course, Jimmy it doesn't have a problem with Sami Zayn being a part of the bloodline or whatever but jay clearly does have a problem with it but jimmy was telling him look let's just calm down let's just all go out there and let's just all celebrate roman because this is about big oos right so they decided to go out there you know and just celebrate and just chill out and not fight each other but it seemed like Sami Zayn was still trying to stir up the pot a little bit you know as they went out there but i'm gonna get into that a little bit later but like I said, this SmackDown was full of a lot of promo, a lot of Roman stuff, and a couple of matches here and there. But it was a lot of, you know, vignettes for them preparing for Clash the Castle and doing recaps of certain things. So this episode went by kind of fast, but either way, it was still, it was still pretty good. Um, Joseph is saying, that is so true, Stephanie. The Viking rules match got three segments this could have gotten two segments for sure definitely yeah like that match between butch and um ludwig kaiser really could have gone a little bit longer um but either way you know that's just how it happened so towards the end of the show like i said there weren't any women's matches matches on this episode of smackdown but i guess since this was you know a tape show and they were still in detroit um 
they had done their women's action for last week's episode and then for this week's episode they just did the little stuff to sort of you know whet our appetites for clash of the castle so uh i guess that's just how it worked that time um even though deep down inside i love women's action and i love watching the women wrestle um and i feel like you should have that consistently um on a more consistent basis especially now um either way i mean i guess they still did a segment they still technically did their ronda segment and they still technically did their Shayna and Liv segment so i guess that's fine but i would have liked another women's match thrown in there just for fun but hey i don't run the show they don't care about our feelings so moving on um towards the end of smackdown we got a chance to celebrate um or did we um <laughs> to celebrate Ronda not Ronda Roman Reigns <laughs> and um the bloodline um all came out to celebrate Roman Reigns and his title reign and all of the above and of course Sami Zayn came out there dressed in his beautiful red suit I really liked it he looked like he was going to the senior prom but it was still really cute um and in the ring as you can see they had all kinds of pictures and stuff of the various victories that Roman Reigns has accrued over the years um, that he's been champion. And even though Sammy acted like he was going to start talking, Jay took the microphone from him and was like, look, I'm going to start talking. I'm going to say this. Roman is that guy. <laughs> and either way, I felt like Jay, everything that Jay was saying, he was just like, he's the tribal chief. And then Sammy was chiming in like he was the A-man corner. Like Jay was the preacher and Sammy Zane was the deacon saying, preach, pastor. Let's go. Okay. Bet. And 100 and all the other stuff. Like Sammy Zane was acting like the overzealous friend that gets so happy when they have other friends of other cultures and other races and then they learn like the other learn the other languages and the other you know slang that people use and then once he learns it he tries to fit in and he tries way too hard that's what Sami Zayn was giving but it was absolutely hilarious though and Jay was looking like he wanted to beat him up like bro like please shut up but Jimmy was like look you need to calm down um so even in the midst of that, they were still bigging up Roman Reigns. And so they came out and then put their ones up and told everybody to stand up and put their ones up and pay tribute, you know, to the tribal chief, the head of the table, Roman Reigns, Blase Blah, King of Us All, Illustrious Blah, um, Daddy, all of that. So as Roman Reigns gets ready to come out, you know, from his Escalade without the title, surprisingly, and without Paul Heyman, I thought that was a very interesting choice. Um from backstage he gets a boot to the face by drew mcintyre and then so after he gets a boot to the face by drew mcintyre the usos and sammy are looking dumbfounded like trying to figure out what we gonna what 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 should we do what are we gonna do do we run back there to help does like what's gonna happen but um basically drew mcintyre pops up and then he comes in the arena he struts down there with his black tank top and jeans and he has but sammy Zayn because of course the usos send sammy out there you know to try to you know eradicate him but that didn't work out too well and he had butted him proceeded to tear up the ring tear up the pictures and all of the above just the whole celebration party thing was just over and done with like y'all it, it was just done done so um 
he took off his tank top. And if there's one thing I know I like, if I can have a minute to be thirsty, I love watching Drew McIntyre in jeans with no shirt on. Like, that's sexy to me. Drew McIntyre's wife is so blessed because he is fine, but <laughs> especially with jeans on. But let me chill. Let me chill. Let me take a sip. I'm sorry, y'all. Uh, <laughs> and he just basically just ran through the Usos and ran through Sami Zayn. And even when they kept trying to fight back or whatever, I mean, they were trying to gather themselves. Drew McIntyre flipped outside of the ring on top of them and everything. Like, this was Air Drew going on. And then even as they beat him up outside, he still found a way to spear Jay Uso through the barricade of the timekeeper's area threw Sami Zayn out, like, they just, he just, they just destroyed each other, it was, it was lit, and Drew got back into the ring, and basically said his piece about how he's going to end the reign of Roman Reigns, and basically just say, like, he is the one that's going to destroy Roman Reigns the same way he destroyed everybody else, and that was the end of SmackDown, so like I said, it was a pretty, solid show but it was like i said it was still a show that was kind of like a little bit of a placeholder between excuse me between now and tomorrow which is clash the castle um so it was still really good like if you were watching it you know as a means of getting excited for what's to come you could watch it for that but then if you also watched it for the whole roman reigns thing like that was cool too like it was a really interesting episode of smackdown and even though it was taped it was still cool so in the comments, we have Joseph saying they are trying to make Drew look good because he didn't get to have his moment at WrestleMania. He is getting it about two and a half years later. You're right about that. You are absolutely right about that. Um, it feels like since Clash of the Castle was announced, they were utilizing the image of Drew McIntyre to sort of push forward the notion that he is doing a homecoming type of thing because he's going back to the UK, even though he's from Scotland. He's not from Wales. He's from Scotland. It's still a home going for him. And he's able to have this moment at this stadium, you know, for the, like in the UK for the first time in over 20 years. And he's basically been the face of this pay-per-view. And I can't say that that was a bad choice. It was a really good choice because if you're going to choose somebody to basically carry on the mantle of a champion or a possible champion, why not Drew? Like, Drew is that guy. Like, he was that guy, of course, around the pandemic time when it was really heavy, heavy, and there was no audiences at first. And when he wanted WrestleMania, where there was no audience, he basically carried us through that point. So he does deserve this spot. Now, whether he'll beat Roman Reigns, that's to be determined. I'm not sure if Roman Reigns is ready to really let those titles go at this point. But at the same time, it just seems like it could be Drew's moment, you know, for him to possibly win those titles. And, you know, it would be different to see a Roman Reigns try to be the head of the table without the titles. Like, how do you do that? Like, I just feel like that would be really interesting. But yeah, having Drew have his moment, you know, with the crowd in his home continent, and, like, that would be great. So, Drew does definitely deserve it. He deserves his flowers while he can smell them. Um, but I don't know if he'll win. But, of course, we'll give our, I'll 
um, give my predictions for Clash of the Castle a little bit later. Um, if Santana is able to come in, maybe she'll give hers. Um, but if not, then I'll just give mine. But like I said, that's all that happened from SmackDown. Um, excuse me. I'm sorry, guys. Um, I'm just recovering from throat stuff. Um, but yeah. Um, Joseph also said, it ain't a bad choice. I just wonder how people will feel if Roman's reign is ended by Drew. That's all. I don't know. They might react well to it or they might not react well to it. I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. I guess we won't know until tomorrow. Yeah. But um, to move on to the AEW side of things. Rampage took place tonight, and that was a live Rampage because, of course, they're preparing for All Out, which is going to be in Chicago, the way that CM Punk likes to say it, because, you know, he's going to rep Chicago till he dies, right? So the way he says in Chicago, it's just like, in Chicago, like he's into it. <laughs> but yeah, um, All Out is going to be in Chicago on Sunday, September 4th, which also, which also just so happens to be my birthday so that's gonna be cool all out was on my birthday last year too so you know it's just really fun you know stuff to experience like all this wrestling on your birthday weekend like it's it's pretty dope it's pretty dope stuff um but moving on um from me and my birthday shenanigans i'll be 29 guys so you know cash at me um <laughs> aw rampage started with the AEW World Trios Championship Tournament Rampage Final, which felt weird for them to call it a final because I guess in my mind, I feel like the final would be, you know, you guys fighting for the trios title, considering the trios championships are still vacant and brand new. You know, I thought maybe the final would be, you know, the match for the titles. But either way, these two groups, these two trios groups were fighting for the right to fight um, the elite, um, that's the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega for the trios championships. So this is what this, this match was for. Um, this is Hangman and the Dark Order versus Orange Cassidy and Best Friends. So at the beginning of the match, we got a little bit of a visit from Dan Housen, who tried to curse um, Hangman. But before he had a chance to curse him, he got ejected. So either way, no Dan Housen, but we still love you. It's okay. Um, so basically this match was pretty good. Um, they were all fighting all over the place. <laughs> you had a little bit of the bare minimum, but then also maximum, you know, effort from Orange Cassidy, and then his best friends, you know, operating as a well well machine. And then you have the dark order, you know, basically being who they are, um, and hangman page, you know, being who they are as well. It was a couple times where I didn't know who, who could win this match because it just kept going back and forth and back and forth with the action. It was really stellar. But in the end, Hangman Page and the Dark Order wound up winning, and Orange Cassidy and the Best Friends looked very devastated with that. So Hangman Page and the Dark Order will go on to face the Elite to on Sunday night for the AEW World Trios Championship. And like I said, the match was really good, but um, you could tell that the Orange Cassidy and the Best Friends were very devastated, you know, from having lost that match. So tell me in the comments who you felt like, you know, should have gone forward in the tournament to fight um, for the championships and who you think is going to win Sunday. Let me know. Let me know. Let me know. Um, moving on, 
we got a visit from the FTW champion Hook. And he was, um, it started with him getting an interview from Lexi, but it feels like every time Hook and Lexi have an interview, um, it's almost like it gets interrupted somehow by somebody. And Angelo Parker did, you know, interrupt their interview and he was called cool, cool hand Angelo Parker too. Um, and that's something that I didn't know because I'm not as familiar with Angelo Parker, but he had been t- like talking all kinds of smack at hook saying, you know, you think you're going to beat me. This isn't, you know, you think you're going to beat me, but I'm going to beat you and you're not going to, ex- you know, expect anything that I have going on. And then the guy who was next to him, which was old boy from Everrise from NXT. And I'm sorry, I keep calling him that, but I just never can remember his name to save my life. And I deeply apologize for that. But he was talking mess at him and Hook didn't like it. So Hook put his title down, took off his shirt. And old dude was like, look, you can't do this to me. This isn't the streets of New York. We can't fight like that. Like, no, we're just going wait to wait to fight you on Sunday. And we're going to get a taste of that title. We're going to get a taste of that title. And it was just really weird how he kept saying that over and over again. But that's basically what happened with that. Um, and Lexi was just kind of staring off, you know, into like looking kind of irritated that her interview was interrupted like that. But hey, that's just the nature of the beast, man. So, yeah, let me just say I also think it's funny how Hook, well, well, let me just say this. The one thing I think is funny is that old dude was talking about the streets in New York. And I haven't seen that since I've been to New York these past couple of months. Um, I've seen some stuff like go down, like people get yelled at or whatever, but as far as like a fight, I've never seen in New York. So let's not just make generalizations about New York. That's not okay. Um, I love New York. It's great. So yeah. Um, (laughs) moving on, we also had a match between Sammy Guevara and Ty Mello versus, um, Ortiz and Ruby Soho. Now this is a rematch from the last time they fought each other um last friday at rampage because they really felt like um ortiz and ruby soho really felt like they could beat them a second time if they had another chance and it seems like they're really gunning for the triple a world mixed tag team championships that um sammy and ty are holding so this match was hard to watch because it was in picture in picture but either way um the moments where i did see there was a couple of moments where ty was being especially vicious to Ruby, um, especially to like that arm of hers that was injured. And she slammed her hand into the steel steps. And of course, you know, Sammy and Ty were being obnoxious, but Ortiz and Ruby were definitely giving their all in this match. All types of, you know, jumping maneuvers, all types of flips, all types of headbutts, especially from Ruby. She gave Ty one headbutt, and I believe she gave Sammy multiple headbutts. I was just like, girl, ow, (laughs) ow. Like, it's a wonder how she just wasn't bleeding, but it was pretty good. I enjoyed the match, and I really loved that Ortiz and Ruby Soho came out with the win. So basically now um, they have wrestled their way into title contention, and they will have the opportunity to fight them at All Out this Sunday for the AAA World Mixed Tag Team titles. Um, Sammy and Ty looked really bothered as they picked up those titles and, you know, kissed them or whatever. 
um, they were really bothered by that. But let me know in the comments who you think is going to win those titles. You know, if you think Sammy and Ty will retain or do you think Ortiz and Ruby, you know, will move forward in winning that match. Um, so moving on, we heard from the AEW World Tag Team Champions Swerve in Our Glory and the Acclaimed um, because they're set to fight on Sunday as well. And backstage, of course, there was a war of words between them. And Billy Gunn, of course, talked about how great of a tag team um, Swerve and Keith Lee are, but basically saying that they don't have a chance against the acclaimed. And um, Max Caster was talking about how they're basically um, the pinnacle of the tag division because they're basically like one of the um, pillars of AEW in terms of it first starting and how they've deserved an opportunity for the tag titles, you know, for such a long time. Um, and we're just going to beat you guys. And then, um, his partner, Malcolm called them Timon and Pumbaa. <laughs> he was like, we're going to beat your Timon and Pumbaa looking asses. And I was just like, dang, I just never ex thought that I would hear a Lion King reference on AEW ever. I never thought I would hear a Lion King reference, but that happened. And it's so funny when you really think about it, because it's almost like, I mean, that was kind of rude, because you just don't call Keith and Swerve, Timon and Pumbaa, because you know which one will be which, and that's just not right. But, of course, Swerve and Our Glory decided to bounce back, and... They called like they basically said that they were that they were gonna beat them because for them to be highly ranked, it's like you know, we've never had to sweat you guys before, and basically, you know, insulted them and called them stereotypes. And I thought that was a very intellectual insult from Keith Lee calling them stereotypes or whatever, because you know, they like to rap. And I was just like, God dang, how are you gonna say that in front of Swerve? Because Swerve makes music too. So does that make him a stereotype? Tell us how you really feel, Keith. But either way, it was a pretty good promo between these two. Um, I'm more than sure that on Sunday they'll have a really good match. But in the comments, Joseph is saying, I can see Ruby and Ortiz pulling the stunning upset. Jericho Appreciation Society needs to be knocked down a peg. You are absolutely right, Joseph. Thank you. I feel the same way. The Jericho Appreciation Society does need to be knocked down a peg. Maybe a couple of pegs. Maybe if... JAS loses those tag titles, then maybe Jericho will lose to Brian Danielson and it'll cause a ripple effect. <laughs> it'll just cause another ripple effect for them to lose. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but either way, um, that promo was really good. So we heard from them. But then we also heard from these two. Mark Henry sat down with the TBS champion Jade Cargill and the baddies. Um and Athena, because of course they're gonna fight Sunday. <laughs> Everybody's fighting Sunday. You get a fight, you get a fight, you get a fight. That's what's going on. So, this was one of the more interesting um, backstage interviews that I saw from tonight. I really enjoyed this one because you could tell that Athena really spoke from a very passionate place. Um, and Jade was talking more about how. She feels like Athena is just going to be yet another number, you know, for her to add to her undefeated streak. 
and how you can tell that she's that Jade really isn't sweating Athena and isn't taking her as seriously as she should be because Athena is that girl like no matter where she wrestles she always is that girl like Athena is amazing right so Athena really got in her face and said look I'm going to prove to you why everybody in the locker room doesn't think of you as that bitch, but thinks of you as, you know, just a bitch that they just can't stand. And then she also talks about how once she does win that TBS title, it'll be a victory for every woman in the locker room who just gets on your nerves. Well, who who basically, you know, nerves that she gets on all the time simply because of the fact that she came into this business and has her little undefeated streak. But it's like you have the other women in the locker room who have built up, you know, their careers over a number of years, you know, in the independence and elsewhere. Um, and, you know, they have the resume that Jade lacks. And Athena really had some really stellar points here. And even though she was cussing her out or whatever, she had some really good points there. Like Athena would represent the women who, you know, might not have gotten the same opportunities or the same you know shine or glow up as jay cargill has gotten um for someone who hadn't really wrestled before and i thought this was really interesting and i was just like and i thought this was a really good promo from athena so i am definitely looking forward to this match um i'm not sure who can beat jay cargill if athena doesn't um but honestly if athena won i wouldn't be mad I wouldn't be mad at all. Um, I just wouldn't. So, yeah. But then if Jade wins, I'm just wondering who else is left um, to fight her. Either way, I'm really looking forward to seeing these two Black women tear the house down. And I hope that they're given a whole lot of time to wrestle. I hope all the women on the All Out card have at least 10 to 15 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes to tell a story Tony Khan if you're listening give the women 15 to 20 minutes to tell a story in the ring 15 to 20 minutes if you know you know either way um this was a really good segment so <clears throat> moving on we heard from FTR and Wardlow um I wasn't exactly sure what their um, biggest purpose was but I do know one thing seeing FTR with all of their titles is just absolutely a stunning sight to see the ROH title the IWGP title the AAA tag team titles my god they just have all of the gold it reminds me of the golden role models honestly <laughs> It reminds me, even though I know that there were probably people who did it before, Bailey and Sasha did it, I don't care. They just remind me of Bailey and Sasha and how they held all the gold, you know, during the pandemic, during the heaviest part of the pandemic. So, honestly, just looking at them with all the gold is just pretty insane. But I did think it's funny that even though they have all the gold and they're calling themselves the best tag team in the world, it's just like, how can you call yourself the best tag team in the world when the Usos exist, when um, the New Day exists, and when so many other tag teams exist? Like, how do you do that? But it's okay. I feel like even in wrestling, if you feel like, if you don't feel like you're the best, then maybe you just don't need to be doing it. But Joseph um, says, I want that too, Stephanie. I'm just worried it won't happen. I want Athena to take that title from Jade. Yeah. Um, me, yeah, I 
it's pretty interesting stuff. But FTR came out and they were basically talking about how they were in different places last year and how they felt like, you know, the world, you know, was going to was going to end and how they felt like nobody loved them. But then they learned that people did love them and stuff like that. Um, and they were basically just bigging up the crowd and love and showing love to the crowd. Right. But then they got interrupted um, by the Motor City Machine Guns from Impact. Um, who they're going to be fighting Sunday, <laughs> um, along with Jay Lethal and his crew. And they came out there and interrupted them and basically, you know, threw mad shade at Chicago and said they're from the greater, like, a city that's way better and all of the above. And then when one of them, one of the members of Jay Lethal's crew decided to bring up, um, I believe, Cash Wheeler's son, um, his eight-year-old son, he got really mad and wanted to get out of the ring and fight them, but then they held them back. Um, security held them back. And that was really all that we got from this segment. Um, it was pretty interesting. Um, but of course, you know, throughout the night, they were talking about, um, during the space of the card, they were talking about all of the different matches that are set to take place um, on Sunday um, which is a whole lot of them. Um, and I'm going to go through the card and sort of give my predictions as well for that. But yeah, that was pretty much it for that. Um, so moving on to the main event, we had QT Marshall or Marshall, depending on where you're from and what your pronunciations are, um, versus Ricky Starks. And now Ricky Sarks, of course, is ready to fight Powerhouse Hobbs on Sunday. But QT Marshall decided that he was going to take it upon himself to take out Ricky Sarks so he wouldn't be ready on Sunday. So they had their little backstage promo that Mark Henry likes to do. Um, but as Ricky Sarks was getting ready, you know, for his thing, he showed that he had locked up the rest of the members of Marshall's crew in the locker room. And so... QT Marshall didn't like that, so he ran after Ricky Sarks. They started fighting backstage, um, and then they started fighting in the crowd, and then they brought it in the ring, and it was a pretty good match. Um, Ricky Sarks is someone who continuously impresses me each and every time I see him in the ring. I feel like I say that ad nauseum if you watch us on a more con on a consistent basis every Friday, but it's just true. Ricky Sarks just has what it takes to be a world champion at some point. And I cannot wait to see, you know, what the future holds for Ricky. Like, he's just so good. And I'm so glad that he actually did beat QT, um, even though his crew wound up did getting out, you know, and trying to win for him or whatever. But Ricky Stars came out with the win. But then um, he got visited by Powerhouse Hobbs, and then they got into a little bit of a kerfuffle, and then they got to fighting, and then Brian and Jericho got to fighting outside of commentary, and it was just a brawl, you know, for all to basically sort of hype us up for um, All Out this Sunday, and that's basically where Rampage ended, so... Yeah, it was a pretty lit live show to get everybody pumped up for that. And then they had their countdown to All Out where they were, you know, addressing all of the matches and stuff that's set to take place Sunday. But, yeah. Um, if you guys want to tell me in the comments what you guys felt about um, this episode of Rampage and also more about SmackDown, you can. But 
for right now, I'm going to go into my predictions for Clash of the Castle, seeing as that is tomorrow. And of course, Clash of the Castle is tomorrow, and it starts at 12 p.m. Central, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, depending on where you are. Um, I know this early in the afternoon, but of course, there's a different time zone because they're in Wales, which means that that's going to be nighttime over there, evening time over there, and early in the day for us. So that's why we have to watch it earlier in the day. So if you guys want to tell me your predictions for Clash of the Castle, you can in the comments as well. But I'm going to give my predictions. So my prediction for this match between Liv Morgan and Shayna Baszler for the SmackDown Women's title, I feel like Liv might give it the good old college try in terms of trying to rise up to the occasion of Shayna Baszler. Um, and she might try to luck her way out of it because I saw the crazy look in her eyes tonight where it looked like she would do anything to win, which is something that I feel like they should lean more into with her character. Um, but I almost feel like, I feel like maybe Shayna Baszler might win. Um, simply because of the fact that I just feel like she deserves to have an opportunity like this. And it's been so long since we've seen her in a singles title um, picture like this. So I want Shayna Baszler to win. I, I'm predicting that Shayna Baszler will win as much as it breaks my heart to, you know, discount live like that. Um, but I really feel like it might be Shayna Baszler's time. So I'm predicting Shayna Baszler um, will win the SmackDown Women's title um, with that match. My next prediction is, of course, for the six-woman tag team match between Bianca Belair, the Raw Women's Champion, um, Asuka and Alexa Bliss versus Bayley, um, Dakota Kai and Io Sky, um, who I'm more than sure have an axe to grind since they've lost their women's tag team title opportunity to um, Raquel and Aaliyah. And I'm more than sure that they definitely blame Asuka and Alexa Bliss and Bianca for that. Um, but basically, I'm predicting that maybe Bianca asuka and alexa will get the win um even though i'm more than sure that bailey eo and dakota will be really rough and will bring it you know with the match i feel like ultimately team um est will win but i'm also predicting that alexa bliss will turn heel on bianca simply because when i was watching raw i saw a couple of glances that alexa bliss was giving the raw women's title so i really feel that Alexa might turn on Bianca after it's all over, depending on who wins the match. And then they'll start a new program. But we'll just have to see about that. But either way, I feel like Team EST will win. Um, Joseph in the comments is saying, I think Liv will get it done. I can see this going to Extreme Rules and Shanna getting a stipulation to finally get the title off Liv. That's a really solid prediction. Extreme Rules is coming up, um, and that would be cool. Um, for a stipulation match just to see, you know, how that would go. That would be cool. So um, then next we have the Judgment Day, Damian Priest and Finn Balor versus Edge and Rey Mysterio, Team Hall of Fame versus Team Judgment Day. Um, this is hard because I feel like they've been fighting for like two months <laughs> now. But either way, I feel like... I feel like the Judgment Day will win simply because I'm predicting that Dominic might have something to do with Ray and Edge losing. 
I'm predicting that the Judgment Day will win um, and that Dominic might have more to do with Edge and Ray losing simply because of the fact that on Raw, you saw Dominic um, backstage talking to Ray about how he thought that he would fight at Clash of the Caps with him and not Edge. But Ray was like, look, um, Edge has the most experience. It has nothing to do with you personally. Um, but, you know, Edge has an extra grind with the Judgment Day. So that's why I chose him. You know, he's been my partner this long or whatever. And Dominic still looked a little bit disappointed. And I also thought it was funny how that program was going on um, the Monday after Ray Mysterio's biography um, episode came on on A&E and after A&E showed the Rivals episode between Ray Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero. And if y'all know how that feud went, where Eddie was saying that he was um, Dominic's father instead of Ray being Dominic's father, and as you can look on the back of Dominic's hair, he's been growing a little bit of a mullet he might be channeling his inner villain and I really feel like he might mess around and join the judgment day, you know, and mess it up for Ray and Edge. Like, I just feel like that might, that might happen. I don't know. It, it would just be funny. But Joseph said, that's the thing. Do they do what people want and Dominic joins judgment day? I could see Edge and Ray winning. I mean, they could win, but I just feel like it would be a little bit more interesting and it will raise the stakes a little bit more if Dominic wound up being the foe, um, the foil to them winning. I just feel like that would just be interesting. I'm just, I, I don't know. I just like spicy stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Uh, my prediction for Gunther and Sheamus, this is, I feel like this is going to be a banger. Um, like I said, this is going to sh show a lot of the UK style if they're allowed to go for that long. Um this is hard because Gunter has held the IC title for a little bit of a while now, but I'm not sure if they want to want him to go like on a Walter type of reign that he had like an NXT UK with the IC title. I'm not sure. Um, I think for now, I'm just going to predict, predict that Gunter will win and retain um, because Sheamus doesn't necessarily need the IC title. He doesn't really need it. It's like, I feel like he's won just about everything at this point, maybe. I'm not sure. I can't remember if Sheamus has won the IC title before, but even if he hasn't won it before, it's not like he truly needs it. I feel like Gunter could stand to hold on to it just a little bit longer. So I'm predicting Gunter will win the IC title match. Um, but tell me what you guys think. Um, we also have something that got turned up this week. <laughs> I don't know where, Lord. Between Riddle and Seth Rollins, girl, boy, non-binary brothers and sisters, this was a hot mess in a good way. <laughs> Their promo Monday night was fire. I loved it because it was almost like Riddle was trying to be clever and was like, um, on Saturday, I'm going to prove that the only man in your marriage is Becky, right? But then we come back for commercial, and then all of a sudden, Seth is like, okay, you want to talk about family? Let's talk about your family. Huh? You want to talk about mine? Let's talk about yours. And he went in, and I was just like, Seth, what you do that for? <laughs> you didn't have to go in on him like that. But because he went in on him like that, I think this match is going to be a banger.
I'm predicting, but I am predicting though that um Seth is gonna win. Like I really do predict that Seth Rollins is gonna win and he's gonna cackle the whole way there. Um, because I've also heard that there's like a whole lot of real life heat between them. They really don't like each other for real, for real. So I think it's gonna be a really interesting match. I feel like this might have the levels of what we thought um ultimately what Becky and Charlotte was supposed to be at Survivor Series where they didn't like each other. So we was trying to see, you know, what's gonna blur the lines between a shoot fight and a wrestling match. I feel like this might have that, and I'm really interested in seeing that. So I'm predicting Seth Rollins is going to win, but I think it's going to be a heck of a barn burner. And, of course, we have the um, undisputed championship, WWE championship match between Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. This is the hardest one to predict because it's like I said earlier, Drew McIntyre has been the face of this um, pay-per-view slash premium live event um, since they first announced it. It looks like they're really beefing him up and making him look super, 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 super strong against someone like Roman Reigns, who's been looking super strong, period, just because of, you know, his trajectory with the titles and everything and the bloodline and all of that. This is hard. This is really hard to predict. Um, but in my heart of hearts, I'm predicting that Roman Reigns is still going to come out with the win somehow because you have the Usos. It's just there's just so many factors that just really makes me feel like the Roman Reigns train isn't through chugging along. Even with Drew there, like it's just so hard because they just made Drew look so strong lately. Like I just don't know. But this is just how I feel about it. Um, So. I just predict that Roman Reigns will win. But Clash at the Castle really does look like a stellar, stellar pay-per-view. I think it's going to be really cool. And like I said, it's going to be tomorrow um, at 12 p.m. Central Standard Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on Peacock. Um, and, of course, everywhere else, it's the WWE Network because y'all are lucky. Um, yeah. And then, of course, Sunday we have All Out. Um, and I wish I could have found all of the pictures for All Out. Um, in terms of a card-by-card, match-by-match prediction basis. Um, but there's a lot of matches on that card. A lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. Um, and due to time, I wasn't able to really go into all of my predictions for that card. But I'm just hoping and predicting that all of the women will just have more time to wrestle on that card, 15 or 20 minutes at the most. Um, for the women's matches, I will say this, though. I'm predicting that Athena will win um, and finally take the TBS title off of Jade. And I'm also predicting that maybe Tony Storm will become the interim AEW Women's Champion. I'm predicting that. That's what I'm predicting for AEW All Out. Um, and I'm also possibly predicting that maybe Ruby Soho and Ortiz will become the new AAA world tag team champions so those are all my predictions for the women's matches of all out because i feel like those deserve to be highlighted a whole lot more at this stage of life right now but that's it that's the end of the smackdown and rampage after show um sadly my partner Dreon santana couldn't make it because like i said she was on assignment for her other job 
but please follow um, her everywhere you can find her. Google her um, at Drion. Please follow her everywhere you can. And as usual, know that you can follow me, your girl, Stephanie Hardy, on Instagram and Twitter at Queen Steph Hardy. And listen to my podcast, The Hardy Wrestling Podcast, everywhere you get your shows. And of course, just to tell you whatever else I have going on, um, I will be a panelist at New York Comic Con. Um, with my women's wrestling talk sister, Katrina Blake. She will be having a panel on black women in wrestling called Behind the Magic, and I am happy to be a part of it. Um, and that's going to be um, the first full week, the first full weekend of October um, at the Javits Center on Friday uh, of New York Comic Con, and I am so excited to be a part of it. So if you're in the New York area, in the Manhattan area, please check us out. Please check out New York Comic Con. It's a huge deal. If you're a wrestling fan, please show up um, and, you know, talk wrestling with us. You know, it's it's really cool. It's going to be me. It's going to be um, Hearts from Talk of Champions. It's going to be Low from Wrestling Wind Down. And it's going to be Katrina as well. Like, it's just going to be a lot going on. Um, oh, we got a hello. Hey, Ricky. Um, thank you for joining, even though it's the end. But <laughs> thank you for joining us anyway. But yeah, that's pretty much everything I've got going on. And like I said, it's my birthday weekend. So I'm going to turn up, you know, and have as much fun as possible because, hey, you only, you, hey, it's your birthday. So you got to live it up because life is crazy. So you just got to be happy. I'll be 29. And I also share a birthday with Xavier Woods and Awesome Kong and Beyonce. So it's going to be a lit, lit day Sunday. So I'm just really excited to be living another um, year of life. I'll be 29. So it's going to be cool. But with that in mind, please follow Women's Wrestling Talk um, everywhere. Um, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at www.talkpod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to our Twitch network. Please do that. And visit our website at www.talkpod.com. Um, visit our Facebook page. Just continue to support Women's Wrestling Talk. Read all of our articles. Buy our merchandise. Just everything that you can possibly do to love and support Women's Wrestling Talk. Go do that because we work really hard to bring you amazing content about women's wrestling, about wrestling in general, articles, podcast episodes, interviews, so many different things we try to give you guys. So please continue to support and show love to Women's Wrestling Talk um, as we continue to grow and just do all kinds of new stellar things. So with that in mind, of course, this is Women's Wrestling Talk, the number one women's wrestling show on the planet. Thank you for joining us for the SmackDown and Rampage after show. Um, enjoy this weekend in wrestling. It's a lot going on. So I hope you enjoy whatever it is that you love to watch. And until next time, bye, y'all. Women's Wrestling Talk, the number one women's wrestling show on the planet.
Women's Wrestling Talk, the number one women's wrestling show on the planet.